like my arms hurt uh, from swinging golf clubs and then throwing axes. Oh my gosh. Too much arm, too much arm activity. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's superhero slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's superhero slate. Oh yeah. Hello everyone and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this week, Deadpool and Korg hang out. Oh, on oh. a couch. Where else would you like to see them? Oh my gosh, it's it's a great couch, I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. Uh, Marvel gets their first Emmy nominations. Oh, uh, Disney Plus is coming for you, Netflix. That's right. We'll talk about those uh, shows more uh, later. And Loki's last episode aired this week, Mike. So, or is it the last episode of Loki? Yeah, we'll talk about that, won't we? <laughs> yeah, so I think that's going to be most of the episode. If I'm going to be honest, the back half has a lot of of good stuff about the this uh, this last sixth episode of the Loki show and more. Yeah, I, I don't know what slice of our audience would be listening to us and maybe hasn't quite gotten to the last episode of Loki yet, but, you know, we understand things get busy. Uh, your fearless co-host over here, Chris, uh, has had a very busy week, but, yes. you know, he manages to get through this stuff. So uh, it, we'll, we'll save it for the back half. So no Loki spoilers up here at the top. You don't have to worry about that. That's right. Someone um, was asking me, I was able to rewatch Black Widow, and they were like, you know uh, what? What's going on in the MCU? What's I mean? We haven't wa- we we just watched WandaVision. Do we need to watch the other shows? I'm like, you should watch everything uh, first and <laughs> foremost. But I'm like, the best part is it's only six episodes, right? Like this is something now. If, if you've not watched it when it's airing, you can sit down and crank out that like in a day or two. Uh, pretty pretty easy with those 45 minute episodes right so <laughs> yeah you forget how easy it is to uh, binge watch stuff I don't even have it up here at the list of things I've been watching but the last season of Atypical and a new season of Never Have I Ever which are just kind of just both just kind of like family kind of drama comedy shows both on Netflix both landed within like the last two weeks and it's just like the seasons are like short you got 30 minute episodes it's like you blink and like you just kind of forgot you watched an entire season of a tv show but you know seasons now are like so short it's just like was it even really ever a season to begin right. with if it was only 10 episodes back because when we grow up stuff like we've been like slowly re-watching some friends too because we rewatch like just friends and 90 sitcoms all the time in this household and like i forgot like at the apex of like sitcoms uh, back in the 90s you could you could conceivably see 25 to 26 episodes a season like and that was like the network's just like you're doing so well we're making so much money off of you guys like you're gonna get 26 episodes and now it's like 26 episodes like you would die if any netflix uh show creator was able to get 26 episodes out of an entire series well i think um it's not in our notes but the last season of the walking dead is like an super extra bonus season or whatever and it's like 24 episodes i'm like that's a lot now but in hindsight that's a normal season like 10 years ago for a show <laughs> yeah exactly so um yeah i i just remember um again i'm a, again i'm worse i wouldn't say we i'm a seinfeld house person over here and <laughs> mm-hmm. um you know i wouldn't say it's it's guilty of this but like other ones like when you got that, like you had filler episodes, right? Of like those mm-hmm. older shows. I mean, you're pro- you're going through Smallville. I'm sure you get a filler episode every once in a while, of uh, of just nothing kind of thing that doesn't move a I lot mean, forward. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, uh, I haven't seen the clip shows, but I don't think you usually get clip shows often for dramas. 
Uh, but yeah, for sitcoms, clip shows happen all the time. And the great thing about streaming is once you like identify them, because usually they sneak the clip show in. You don't know it's a clip show until you're about three minutes into the episode, and you're just like, all right, fast forward, uh-huh. and you just hit those, and it's just like, I don't need to watch these clips. So, yeah, yeah, it's where it, the it's top uh, side of technology there. The episode sets up like a regular episode, <laughs> then they look at the camera like, oh, yeah. you're here. Don't you remember all these great times we had together? <laughs> Uh, and then they go through that. It's so. like, yeah, I remember I just binged your first four seasons oh my God, like was, in two weeks. I remember everything. That was four hours ago for me. God damn. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. So what else have you been watching, Mike? Uh, you got you got some stuff here. Um, it, don't ruin this first one for me, Mike. I know it's, <laughs> it's, I know it's got huge j- spoilers. It's been a jammed week and not a lot of space to watch things, but Space Jam, A New Legacy dropped and. I've been trying to figure out a way to form my thoughts. Chris, you haven't watched it yet. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I've been trying to figure out, you know, uh, first off, um, I'm not much of a basketball fan. Uh, I'm 30 years old, so I don't really know if this movie was ever made for me. And I have no way of being able to, like, travel this movie back in time and show it to myself when the first Space Jam came out. So I I just have no conceivable way to know if this uh, movie was effective for really any demographic. But all, all I can say is myself right now didn't really have a great time watching the movie. Watched it with my wife, and we were just kind of like, Unfortunately, the worst sin a movie can make, in my opinion, is to just kind of be boring. Like, we just not a whole whole lot of laughs going off. There's this this great joke, I I will totally agree, and it's not a spoiler, Chris. There is a great joke that happens at halftime of the space jam that happens of i guess just the jam in general i guess technically it's a warner brothers server jam the server verse jam that happens the halftime during that basketball game very 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 good joke okay. uh, beyond that i looked it up on imdb there's 14 credited writers on this movie and you will feel it uh there's some fun little stuff with the looney tunes kind of bouncing around different universes but Mm-mm, this was not my jam, uh, but uh, it's worth watching because I've seen some people who I thought might hate the movie online say that they enjoyed it. So who knows? It could just be like a, a craps roll at this point in time for Space Jam A New Legacy. Uh, but I'm sure some people will say, well, the first one wasn't good. And I was like, well, I don't know if the first one was good or not. Like I'm a forever tainted with the first Space Jam because I saw it when I was a child. So when I go back and watch it, you know, at least I have nostalgia for it. Right. So I'm sure there's like some kids in elementary school right now who are watching uh, the LeBron James version of Space Jam and are getting the nostalgia installed in their brains and then they'll watch it in 20 years and talk about it on their whatever version of a podcast is in 20 years and they'll talk about how great it was so it's just a weird experience watching Space Jam again. (laughs) So uh, several people reached out and asked if I watched it because there are you know, this is a, a Warner Brothers movie. There are references to mm-hmm. films all over, right? We know that from the trailers so far. Or at least I do. And they were like, what do you think? I heard literally no one down the middle. They, You're either like, <laughs> this is a great time. And I think those are the people who grew up enjoying Space Jam, the original. And the people who are like, nah, bro, it's pass. Uh, yeah. And those are the people who did not enjoy Space Jam growing up. So I think there's like a big divide down the middle. I'm really excited to kind of to, yeah. to get in there. I would say Wreck-It Ralph 2 really kind of tiptoed and walked the line with just kind of jamming IP in and like, you know, really, is this worth it for the story? Is it not? You could kind of maybe have a debate there on that sequel to Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, I, I would say the tie-ins in this movie are just absolute crass 
And I think it, I think it uh, sums it up perfectly. I don't know if it was like an onion article or what it was, but it was just like, uh, the, uh, the skip ad button shows up 20 seconds into Space Jam A New Legacy and doesn't leave until the end of the movie because that's really what it feels like. It almost kind of feels like the, the budget for Space Jam A New Legacy just came directly from the marketing division of Warner Brothers because, well, this is just one big commercial, so let's just grab it from this uh, bucket of money. Oh, but, is, this I don't the, know, is this a Ready Player <laughs> One team? Oh, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of comparisons there too. So I, I'm interested to see uh, – what you think, Chris? But yeah. uh, we'll we'll bring it up on the on the show next week when Chris gets a chance yes, to watch it. I, I uh, promise to get to watch it this week because I'm excited <laughs> to see all the references. Yeah, but if you want to watch something just totally different and just insane and a lot of effort put into it, uh, one of my favorite YouTubers by the name of Colin Furs. He's basically just this uh, British guy who um, just kind of channels the MythBusters with none of the insurance. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about him on the show before, maybe years ago. But he does the crazy projects where he like will build a belt where a bunch of knives spin around it or he'll build like literally like a jet powered go-kart and he does it all within like a shed in his backyard and kind of like the suburbs of like uh Britain. I don't know exactly where he lives, but he has that English accent, so that's all I really know about where he comes from. But he's doing this crazy new build on his channel where every Thursday he releases a new video of him building a tunnel in his backyard and I have to add that the tunnel is supposed to connect to the pantry in his kitchen and also connect to the underground bunker that he has already built in his backyard and he's uh he he very much knows what he's doing he's like a trained like craftsman so it's not like he's just like some redneck in his backyard like gonna kill himself but the crazy thing is is like he's just doing all of this tunnel building digging by hand so it's just fascinating to just see the amount of sheer work he'll dedicate to his youtube channel and then also the amount of planning that goes into it because he does like a lot of welding he has to do a lot of like cement pouring and like hydraulic digging and then it's just funny that it's all happening and then just his backyard he talks about how he has to like oh i can't run the hydraulic you know press today because the neighbors are home and i don't want to bother them so uh colin furs uh he 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 kind of describes himself as turning the internet up to 11 since like, I don't know, 2012 or something. I don't know how long he's been around, but Colin Furs on YouTube. It's a trip. If you've never seen any of his stuff before, he has a long catalog of content that you'll just can binge and binge for a while now. So uh, props to his tunnel build that's in progress right now. So if you want to catch up and uh, hopefully see him yeah. finish it in real time, go looks, check him out over looks on YouTube. Looks like there's four parts and they, they're increasingly longer, but no more than 20 minutes a piece. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty yeah. bite-sized content. And uh, he hasn't even gotten to the best part yet where he's going to connect the tunnel to the two locations. So looking forward to that. And I was, I was shocked to see that my wife was super invested in this. Like I just put it on YouTube on a whim because that's usually what we do in our household. And we're not sure what we're going to watch. Are we not exactly sure how much time we have to watch something? I usually just pull up YouTube and I just started playing this tunnel bill. And she was just like, uh, no, we're watching the next one now. And now we look forward to every Thursday for more of this tunnel build, just as if we would look forward to like Loki or something like that. So, uh, go check out. That's awesome. Uh, a new thing just added to Netflix. I didn't know if it was new. I just saw it in my feed. Uh, we all know how much I love a good heist movie. And there's this new docu series on Netflix, just simply called heist, not money heist. I haven't seen money heist yet. 
yet, but I heard it's good, but that's like an actual TV show. Uh, just Heist is a docu-series where they dramatize and have interviews of just different real heists that have happened in the world. Uh, I don't know exactly how long the first season is, but the first two episodes revolves around one specific story, and then they said, oh, next up on Heist at the end of that. So it looks like they kind of divide the season into different heists that I'm, I'm assuming aren't, aren't connected because it seemed very definitive at the end of season two. But the first uh, story that we just finished watching before I hopped on the microphone was about like this woman that pulled off like a $3 million uh, armored van heist in Vegas and just kind of the craziness that happens after you steal that much money. Uh-huh. So you can go check that out over on, over on Netflix. Heist. Just oh. simply called Heist. Well, that, that ties into what I talked about last week through this week. Uh, the Fast Movies. Uh, I've now watched all the way up through Fast 7, Mike. Oh, so you've seen that. There's like one with the heist, which is uh, the one Fast movie that I have not seen, but I know there's like a heist in it, I'm, like a vault. I'm pretty sure that's the first one with the rock in it, which is like Fast 5, mm-hmm. I believe. And that's like where there's like this upswing in terms of like, I don't I wouldn't say it's quality, but like they're no longer taking themselves seriously with like street racing. They're like not a wink at the camera. Like, yeah, we know we're doing stupid stuff wink wink but it's fun right and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah it's fun i actually laughed at fast seven um because they were doing that's the stupid one they drive like they're in like uh was it dubai or something and they drive the cars in between oh, the skyscrapers from, oh yeah from building i'm building. like this and then like in the second one he's like the brakes don't work and then i'm like of course they don't work so they're not just jumping one they're jumping two uh <laughs> so it, it, it definitely um I, I've been having a good time with it. I mean, honestly, um, I'm not taking this seriously. It's not something that I'm like staring and like studying and not doing it for like a film study. But like uh, w- watching the progression of these movies just totally go away from street racing and like stealing DVD players uh, from semis to um, I forget the the last one. Um, they're they're taking on Jason Statham. Uh, I believe in England, uh, isn't it? Or no, no, it's L.A. or something like that. Well, so. the most, the most, most recent one that just came out, isn't it, John Cena? Well, y- yeah, right, right yeah. So, so yeah, it's because um, Fast Six was Luke Evans, and then because of these movies are about family, Fast Seven is Jason Statham, who was Luke Evans' brother. And I'm pretty sure the next one has to deal with their sister or their mom or something, who's Helen Mirren. And then you get Dom's brother, because these movies aren't about racing, Mike; they're about family. <laughs> I mean, nothing stronger than family, you know this. Um, so yeah, it, it's been it's been fun doing this. I did watch them in order. I was very impressed because Fast uh, and Furious Tokyo Drift was released in 2006, and they were able to like reference it uh, the end of that movie and redo it with like one of the actors add some extra scenes in the um, Fast. Uh, I believe it was Fast Seven movie. Um, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that you know they they released them out of order and they weren't always going to be in order, but it was still fun to do it. So. Um, I am catching up. I will hopefully have watched uh, Fate of the Furious, and hopefully Fast 9 will be on streaming soon, and I can catch that. But uh, definitely keep you posted on my Fast and Furious journey, Mike. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, let's jump into the news. I want to talk about this. We've not talked about this really in any depth at all. Uh, Deadpool uh, has essentially had his first crossover with the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe in a reaction video for the upcoming 20th century movie Free Guy, uh, which is a Ryan Reynolds project, uh, who Ryan Reynolds is the hero, and Taika Waititi is the villain who voices Korg, who is the other person in this movie with Deadpool. This is one of the most meta-upon-meta things I've ever 
experienced in my life, Mike. Yeah, it's strange, uh, especially since they have uh, passed even before that with uh, Green, Green Lantern. Lantern right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very, very strange crossover. Uh, overall, uh, some of the digs I, I think were pretty funny. They didn't hold any punches. Uh, they, they kind of talked about this. Oh, this definitely looks like kind of like the last leg of like Fox, something like that, right? When they were describing, well, the movie. yeah, like like uh, this. A movie that was like um, left over from a Fox fire sale that Disney. Yeah, bought. yeah, something like that. I I love that. Some of the moments were like kind of awkward though, because like in true kind of reaction style, if you're actually watching a reaction video on YouTube, there are just moments where the person reacting is not really saying or doing anything. So like, if you want to capture the accuracy of that, that means like Deadpool and Korg literally are also doing nothing and saying nothing. But then your brain internalizes that this is fake. So it's just kind of like, well, this is weird because, like, I feel like they should be doing something at all times, but then it yeah. wouldn't really be a true reaction style. So there's this weird cognitive dis- dissonance of, like, well, they're trying to be accurate, but it's also kind of awkward at sometimes. But overall, it's pretty crazy just to see them at the yeah. same time on screen kind of officially in some sense signaling that like Deadpool has entered the MCU, whether it's official or unofficial terms. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and there are normally people like, Oh, well this is, you know, Disney's doing this. Well, there are some very, very softly bleeped F words in here. Like they're the, you, you can hear it for the most part, but it's like got a little bleep over it a, a little bit. Um, and I, I think it's fine. I mean, it is, it is Deadpool humor that you would expect in the first and second movie he did. Right. Like, I don't feel like he was neutered or changed in any way for this, and I love it. I think the the weirdest thing is the um, Taika Waititi re- reading the Korg lines feels a little off. Um, like maybe he was doing a different voice, or maybe he was really phoning those in, like recording them over a phone and sending them in. Um, because it was just it was a little little wonky there. But overall, um, I'm excited to see Free Guy. But you know, I th- I take that out of it this was still a really good promotional piece i think for for this upcoming film to yeah piggyback I, I, off deadpool I, yeah i don't believe free guy is under any banner of will be streaming anytime soon because it's like it, a fox movie it's at only in if, theaters as well yeah because if it was going to be streaming at any point in time i suppose it would probably land on hulu I would think I, I can't imagine it being on Disney Plus really, but this is the type of movie to me that I like kind of scream streaming. I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine going to the theater really necessarily to check this type of movie out, but I, it's just more entertaining to see really just Deadpool and Korg hang out. And then it kind of got me thinking of just like, oh yeah, when Deadpool is kind of officially making his next movie that's involved in the MCU, Korg is like the type of character that we might kind of see in his movie right like I don't think we're going to get any huge big crossovers but like Korg is like the perfect classification of MCU character that would pop up in a Deadpool movie because if Korg showed up and like dropped an F-bomb it's not going to ruin his character you know the next time he shows up in like Thor Love and Thunder or whatever right so uh, I keep your eye out for Korg level characters in the MCU because we might see them in a Deadpool movie I'd love to see like a Sif joke right because Sif is just this ethereal character character that has just been missing for a while and i could see deadpool writing some funny jokes around there. yeah well, I, I think he can he can point out a lot of stuff like even at the end of it he's like i like dark world better um mm-hmm. th- then uh of course you know thor uh korg was in ragnarok so i mean there there are some definite references to the universe but he's also kind of like a a watcher right like he he's a part of the the, the crowd like us which was really fun um so uh, i don't I'm, I'm i thought this was a really fun little promotional piece like you said 
um, you know, Ryan Reynolds and, and Waititi were able to survive their careers from Green Lantern and, you know, go on <laughs> and do more fun superhero stuff uh, along the way. So I think they even reference Kevin Feige at one point, didn't he? Um, yeah, something about... I I don't know what they talked about. Yeah, but yeah I think he did come up. Yeah, so um, that, that link's in our... Um, uh, show notes. It's like a four minute video, five minute video. I, I recommend it. I, it's, it's a fun time. So mm-hmm. uh, you can check that out. But I'm going to go ahead and jump right into Kevin Feige because Marvel Cinematic Universe, we got some stuff we'll talk about later. It's coming later. Um, <laughs> but um, Kevin Feige recently said they had a meeting to establish the rules of the Marvel Cinematic Universe multiverse. And yes. uh, if people didn't know this was coming, um, just to go take a look at our upcoming release page where we literally have a movie called Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Yes. Uh, I, I, I have to say, the, this is the type of like pre-planning that I love to hear about because this is probably the thing that bugged me the most that ruined, not ruined, I'm kind of being a little hyperbolic here, but this is the thing that kind of made me so upset with kind of like the last run of Star Wars movies that we got, is I feel like at no point in time did like Kathleen Kennedy or somebody over there sit down and really talk about what do we want to do with these three movies, right? What's like the big story we want to tell here? You know, where, where do we want to start? Where do we want to end? We can obviously be creative in the middle somewhere, but let's lay down some ground rules for this franchise that's going to generate tons of flipping money. And I, I just like knowing that Kevin Feige had the forethought to be like, okay, we, we really need to pin this down and talk about this. So when we bring in like these filmmakers to, you know, direct these next movies or write these next movies, like, okay, this, these are the restraints that you need to hold yourself into because I could see something like a multiverse getting getting out of hands very very easily and they made maybe they never had to go to quite these lengths either with like the first couple phases of Marvel because you know there wasn't too much crazy stuff going around you know you can kind of just you know okay make sure Thanos just just doesn't randomly pop up in your movie because he's busy doing stuff in space but man a multiverse I mean uh yeah it, it's branching, and uh, you know, there's some visual indicators of how many different yeah. multiverses we might be seeing. Yeah, and, and they've, they've talked about this before. Again, the, the potential the, the old Spider-Man movies crossing, you know, tying things mm-hmm. in through a multiverse is definitely, I think, on the table, and um, it's coming up sooner than we know. I also think um, this recent meeting means that, like, again, uh, there's probably some compartmentalization at Marvel. Like, you only get the information you need to know on a need-to-know basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so leaks happen less often uh, than than other places. <laughs> and the, um, that So I think, I think you know, he, he's probably got a big, big game plan book, and everyone who's doing their individual movies know what that is. But then, like, hey, you may be um, touching on some other stuff, or this may affect you down the road. Here's what we're going to tell you now. So, um I'm excited. Uh, again, the Multiverse of Madness is definitely... I mean, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, um, those are... Uh, after Shang-Chi and Eternals, those are intro movies. We got two sequels uh, we've been waiting for for a long time, so I'm excited to kind of come yeah. check those and out. And also, I mean, I'm not exactly sure uh, how the quantum realm kind of falls into all of these multiverses, mm-hmm. but we do know that there's going to be a very uh, crossover moment with uh, quantum mania yeah. uh, popping up. So, yeah, we, we, we got a lot to deal with these multiverses coming up. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, of course, as long as they got the rules in place now, like you said, that's where we feel more comfortable, right? They, mm-hmm. they know what's coming and how it all is connected, if you will. Marvel Avengers game is getting a huge update next month with the War for Wakanda expansion. 
uh, bringing Wakanda, Black Panther, Claw, all new enemies, environments, locales, um, probably modes to the game as well. And this week it was finally announced that Christopher Judge, who voices Kratos in God of War and was um, uh, one of the main actors in Stargate SG-1, uh, he had the the thing on the middle of his head, I don't know what his character's name was, um, will voice uh, T'Challa and Black Panther in this upcoming expansion. Um, as a fan of the most recent God of War, um, I'm, I'm very excited for this. I think you did a great job as Kratos. Uh, did, did you ever get very far in that? Uh, no, I, I never really got around to playing it, but I, I, the game was prolific enough where you, you were able to like see scenes and cut scenes and action moments kind of uh, make it to the internet. So I'm familiar with the voice and the intensity of the game. So that's a pretty good get. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think so as well. I was pulling up his other stuff he kind of did here. Um, he, he did Magneto in the X-Men Evolution uh, TV show back in the 2000s. Uh, and then I was um, seeing what other... Uh, game he he was in i guess some some warcraft and starcraft stuff so that's fine but i mean that's 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 pretty cool i mean um i know you're on the fence mike but i'm hopefully that you download this free expansion and and give it a go with uh, black panther because i think uh we don't have any i mean i guess captain america but there's like like real close range fighters in the game i think that will be a really good addition to to give that a go so um as soon as we get more on that i'll be we'll be sharing that next month in august we're halfway through July, Mike. I can't believe that. That's good Lord. We're, we're getting there. Uh, Emmy nominations, 2021. This is, uh, I'm going to kind of go, th- I just pulled out the ones that are actually relevant to what we talk about here. I didn't list everybody mm-hmm. off. Um, so I'm just going to go through these and then we'll talk about them because there's one in here. That's awesome. Like hilarious. Like <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, outstanding drama series has the boys and the Mandalorian in there. Good, good choices. Uh, outstanding supporting actor for Giancarlo Esposito in The Mandalorian, played uh, Moff Gideon. Outstanding limited series is WandaVision. First time, I think Marvel's, I mean, this is the first Marvel Studios TV show. So, yes, it'd be the first time they're nominated. Outstanding lead actor and lead actress are Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. Supporting mm-hmm. actress Catherine Hahn, of course, is Agatha. And then outstanding guest actor in a drama series. I didn't know this was even a category. Um, <laughs> we have... Uh, I'll read this backwards. Carl Weathers in The Mandalorian, right? Um, I, f- I forget his character's name, but he was big in the first season mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and had his own episode in the second season. But Don Cheadle in The Falcon <laughs> and The Winter Soldier. <laughs> yes. Now, if you don't remember, Don Cheadle was indeed in the very first episode of Falcon and The Winter Soldier when Sam was kind of giving the speech. Was it at the Smithsonian Museum? Yeah. I, I think it might have been where he was kind of uh, handing over the shield into their collection. Um, and I, it's I, like the I first went back five and, minutes of the show. <laughs> yeah, I went back and watched that scene. I, I pulled up a, a transcript just because like, oh, I got to analyze this a little bit now. And if you don't count some of Don Cheadle's just kind of pensive looks while he's in the audience. Now, I, I agree that is very much acting, whether you, whether you're saying anything or not. But if you just narrow it down to the scenes or the I guess the scene in which he has dialogue, it's just uh, what did I say? I texted it's it to you. It's a minute 30 like, or less. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a minute 30. And he shares that minute 30 with the with with Sam in that scene. So. Like I copied and pasted all of uh, all of Don Cheadle's lines, and I sent it over to you. And it's like it, Didn't it even fits take up very comfortably. It fits very comfortably in one text message bubble. So I don't know what was going on there. And I love that Don Cheadle even said like the same day he was just like, "Hey guys, I don't get it either." Like He's so, like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I I think honestly, it's just um, 
I think when it comes around to Emmy season time, especially with Disney Plus now trying to make waves on the Emmys, it's something. It's a place that they really haven't been able to crash before, right? They, I, I think they're just filling out every form possible, right? It's almost like when a kid is applying to like a scholarship, and it's just like, uh, all right, yeah, I definitely don't fit these diversity uh, check marks, but I'm going to do it anyway, right? So I think that's kind of what so, uh, what uh, Disney Plus is doing. Like, yeah, Don Cheadle is technically a, a guest actor. Submit him. I don't know how the nomination happened after that but uh i think that's how he got in there yeah so um how do they determine (laughs) what a guest actor is right um carl weathers had a very a whole episode dedicated to him right like Mm -hmm. he was he he even i think he even directed that episode didn't he yeah he yeah he yeah he definitely directed an episode um and so you know um a lot of screen time I would I would probably say more apt for WandaVision uh, would be more like putting Darcy in this role, right? Like, wouldn't she be more like a guest actor because she was only in a couple episodes, or maybe yeah, even I don't know. Evan I, I feel like I feel like the criteria is ratio to length of either episode slash series compared to how long that you're in it for, and uh, I feel like Carl Weathers maybe just ran up to that line right because he's not in every episode but he is in a couple of them um because i feel like i read that somewhere before where like um donald glover was running the risk of not being able to be nominated for actor in atlanta because they had they had like so many like different side stories and motifs that even his like main character wasn't in the second season that often so i don't know if i'm remembering that right but i think that's what it is the ratio of how long they're in it compared to what is filmed yeah Uh, (laughs) because but well, I was gonna say I was looking up online, and a lot of them have um, you have to submit an episode with them mm-hmm. uh, for for that. Um, again, you know, uh, for for something I guess that I've been working. On, um, there's John Lithgow and Dexter. You know, he was in uh-huh. multiple episodes, right? Like, but they submitted an episode called Roadkill for his, I guess, uh, thing. I don't know. This this is a very very weird. Um, Epic, like a very weird breakdown of like of, of, of a an award for for someone in this because um last year um Giancarlo Esposito was uh in the list for the Mandalorian chapter eight um uh the, the that chapter eight redemption but I'm pretty sure correct me if I'm wrong he was in more episodes than that that he was just primarily in that one yeah, it's really just a numbers game, right? Yeah. Once the once the uh, Emmy nominations were done, they wanted their advertising campaign where yeah. they could say, oh, we nominated for X amount of stuff, right? Then after the Emmys are over, they want to say, we won X amount, and they don't really care what it was for because no one's really going to go in and look into it, right? right. But uh, if I was really looking for like a real deserved nomination to win, uh, either Elizabeth Olsen or Paul Bettany, I, I don't even think this is just kind of like Disney like flexing its like um, just role in Hollywood. They both delivered great performances and the whole entire limited series, I guess is what we're calling it, yeah. hinged on their emotion because it was all about and- uh, grief and getting over loss and I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pit the two against each other because they don't really have to compete against each other. But I, I think I lean a little more towards uh, Paul Bettany, but it's, well, it's so close. I, I think, I think also on that is is looking at how they dealt with the different you know uh, eras of the episodes. Right, every episode was mm-hmm. a different era. So I think you know not just their their like that. Like how well do they sell that era? I think they both did great. I mean, I, I think I think. You know, you're right. Like well, that's great. I think Don Cheadle and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier feels 
very weird and out of place in this. Yeah. But I also, um, this is in the notes here, um, you know, the most recently canceled Lovecraft Country took a lot of awards in this year. Or yeah. not for a lot of awards this year. So uh, HBO might have some some egg on their face here. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I sent you a screenshot. I don't remember if you ended up uh, seeing yeah. it or not, but last week when um, Misha Green, the creator of Lovecraft Country, she kind of tweeted a screenshot of her kind of roadmap for season two, which, you know, yeah. uh, uh, evidently got shot down by HBO. I, I saw in my timeline that Netflix had liked that tweet. And it just makes me think, like, if you have this show that was canceled, that has all of these actors that are becoming very prolific, you know, we'll be talking about one of them later in the show. Like, yeah, Netflix, maybe it's not a bad idea to pick up the show. And then it does make me wonder, though, like, how do you explore that second season of Lovecraft Country on, like, a different streaming service? Because I would imagine... Uh, HBO Max would probably retain the streaming rights to that first season. So now you kind of got to start season two, kind of not from mm. scratch, but almost like a, with a little bit of an explainer of like what's been happening because there'll be people that watching it on Netflix who have no freaking clue what it well, is. Uh, they but did, I just they thought that, that with, was pretty uh, interesting. Lucifer, they they bought like the back half of Lucifer. Remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the first half is still somewhere else. Um, yeah, I think where, where was it? CBS. I think it was CBS. Yeah, it's either on. I was almost going to call it all access. It's either on Paramount Plus or it's on yeah. like Peacock. I don't know where it is, but right. um, but I think that's but, like the same situation kind of thing. But like yeah. the fans go where it is, right? Um, mm. I just looked up. Uh, Lovecraft Country has like six nominations right now, uh, and one of them is outstanding writing with Misha Green for one of the episodes uh, called Sundown. So, um, yeah, I think. I mean, this is this. I, Emmys are weird. It's weird to see superhero stuff on here, but it's great to know, you know, there's a chance they could win in some of these. So yeah, um, very very excited to, to see how those those pop up. Um, I don't know when those are this year. Let me, let, I got I got the the wiki page pulled up. Hold on, September nineteenth. <laughs> we have some time. There so, you go. There we go. Speaking of uh, Star Wars, the making of the final episode of the Mandalorian season two, it's getting a special additional episode added to the Disney gallery series about that final episode with the Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker reveal and all the other fun stuff. This is going to be so weird. I going to watch it 100%. I was very excited to see that they were going to be talking about it because I'm going to be very interested to see how they made it, of course. Right. But also we talked about kind of that Charlie Brown documentary a couple weeks ago and how it's kind of like when Disney makes their own documentaries about themselves where they, you know, kind of go easy on themselves. I wonder if there's going to be any talk about really the overall reaction to this character after the episode aired because it was a mixed bag for sure and I don't think you could say it any other way some people just thought it was, the execution was great and it fooled them uh, uh, some other people were a little bit more uh, discerning I would say so I'm curious if they'll tackle that at all uh, either way it would be it would be nice to get some illumination right mm-hmm. because what if they come into it and say like oh we had this idea at the last second we pivoted and we, th- we thought oh do we think we can get it done in time because that's what happens with TV it, budgets and schedules. Well, like maybe they just ran up against the time wall and they only had so I, much time with somewhat experimental I, technology. Well, I'm very excited to hear. Um, I wouldn't say that. I, I actually think this is going to tie into secrecy, right? Like this was the biggest secret of the whole series season. The, like this year, like the second season, right? Like, Oh, who is it going to be? Are we going to get? And they didn't really tell anyone. So did they do it in the last minute or with a skeleton crew? And like, 
this is what we have to show for it, and this is why, because yeah. we didn't want people to know it was going to be Luke Skywalker in this kind of thing. So, I, yeah, there's a lot of questions. Hopefully they answer it. I don't, again, this isn't, I don't think this is a documentary like the, um, you said, like the Charlie Brown thing, like looking back, like, like this is the making of the episode. Maybe we'll get to see some of well, that stuff. I, in I'm just fruition. saying in general, like a Disney's not going to produce something that like craps all over something that they made. And I'm not saying it deserves to be crapped on. Right. But like every, every behind the scenes process has a, some warts somewhere. Right. And I'm huh. just curious if they'll show us any of those at all, but I, I'm going to be watching this the second I mean, it's available. I, I've watched, I've, I mean, I've seen the other ones. I think it's just going to be in that, that same vein. Like, yeah, this is how we made it. And this is how we mm-hmm. did it. And, you know, this was the the technology we used. This was some of the crew. This is the idea behind it, stuff like that. But it does include Mark Hamill himself in it. Um, so I'm excited to get his take on returning to that character uh, from that mm-hmm. era, even because uh, he he I mean he didn't play it between what um you know Return of the Jedi and then again in uh, the Last Jedi. So um, very excited for that. On the flip side, Obi Wan Kenobi the TV show apparently. Uh, a young Leia is the impetus for the whole show and gets Obi-Wan into this new adventure. Um, so they're casting for a young Leia. Not saying they meet, but we always thought it was going to be Luke was in trouble. It might be Leia since she's technically the adopted daughter of uh, yeah. you know politician. Yeah. Well, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, there is kind of a little bit of an untold story. I suppose there's a Star Wars uh, dis- disavowed novel out there somewhere that explains it. But, like, there has to be a reason at which Leia knows to send that message to Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? You know, yeah, I'm sure she could have, you know, people within the Rebellion or whatever tell her about Obi-Wan. Well, her da- she says I, her dad did in her message. Like, you were yeah, you yeah, my I, father in the Clone Wars. or Yeah, I, I guess it's theoretically possible that maybe she knows a little bit more than she was letting on, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess technically would it break the canon if they met in real life? Kind of like the because well, like what you just said. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're meeting. They may never mm-hmm. meet. But like, why would her dad ha- bring up Obi Wan if he knew he was in hiding? Right? Like, probably like maybe this is the adventure that brought up the the, the legends of Obi Wan to this young girl for a couple minutes. Or, are we going to be seeing? Uh, are we going to be seeing a uh, Jimmy Smith? Yeah. Pop back up. What his? Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, his current age right now might fit well. At which, well, no, because yeah. it's still going to be played by Ewan McGregor. Well, it's still twenty. Uh, it's just the same. It's the same time amount of time has passed between uh, Revenge of the Sith and where uh, this would take yeah, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much timeline figuring out that you got to do when when you think about Star Wars. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you could. He could pop back up. And well, Maybe I think we'll see Jimmy Smits. And I'm pretty sure uh, Smits did the voice work for. Um, uh, that character in the Clone Wars as well, mm-hmm. and uh, I forgot that was something I was gonna remember. when we were talking about in the Heights had Jimmy Smith in it the other day as mm-hmm. one of the main characters. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot to, to kind of we've never I don't know other than like the end scene of Revenge of the Sith we've never seen Alderaan right like it's kind of an unknown planet really in in the the scope of uh, at least it's it's popular it's, it's popularity or you know uh, infamousness. I would like to see Mike and this is my character i would like to see everyone face off again is a live action cad bane um doing this because you remember cad bane from the the clone wars the the blue <laughs> <No>. <laughs> f- he's, he's, he's the blue face bounty hunter with the cowboy hat oh uh, okay yeah yeah like like he oh. is probably one of the i mean pre he's the blue ca- he's uh, the blue cowboy yeah pretty much <laughs> blue cowboy has that real like you know um 
Clint Eastwood kind of vibe to him, right? Like yeah. very much. So I, I think he'd yeah. be a great character to, to yeah. if you're going to bring him into live action, this is there to do yeah. it. You know, I don't remember anybody's names. Yeah. It's the blue cowboy. Yeah. I don't even, like I said, I'm calling him Jimmy Smits because I know the actor's name. I don't remember. I don't remember the ba- Bail Organa. I guess. I guess. I, I guess. I could have narrowed it down to the last name. Yeah, easily, Mr. Organa. Um, <laughs> yes, Mr. Organa, or, or would it be like King Organa? Because isn't Leia a princess? Uh, possibly, but I guess. I mean, he was just the uh, ambassador or whatever for a while. I, I don't know. Mm. That's a great question. Maybe we'll find out the whole you know, hierarchy of <laughs> yeah, the rule of uh, Alderaan. But um, I, I didn't even. I mean, honestly, we all thought it was going to be Luke because he was babysitting Luke for so long, but. If Luke, We've had enough of yeah. Luke. We've had enough of the Skywalker let's, on that side. Let's try this. Let's get him off. We're going to get Obi-Wan off the planet for a minute. Let's send him somewhere somewhere else so we can do that. Star Trek is in the news as well. Uh, Matt Shakeman, 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 however you pronounce his last name, the director of WandaVision, has uh, been hired to helm the new Star Trek movie. Uh, hey, we're getting a new Star Trek movie? Yeah. I feel like there's been a thousand people this is, uh, in touch for the next this Star is, Trek movie. This is not Tarantino's one, and then there was another one. Um, that was, uh, I believe it was a guy who did District 9, Blomkamp. I think his is out Oh, too. yeah, Neil Blomkamp. I, and I don't know, I was thinking like Matt Reeves, but I was like, no, he's doing Batman. He's Batman, yeah. So, but the biggest question is a lot of, some reports were like, oh, they're going to bring back the Kelvin timeline people, but then like the new reports are like, well, we're actually not sure if they're going to come back for this. I don't know where the script is, Mike. No one said anything about the script. They just have a director. So um, I would say it would be weird if they took the, I guess, Paramount Plus slash CBS all active Star Trek and make a movie out of them. But that would be dumb to say because that's literally what they did with all of the other Star Trek movies before these Abrams ones where they took these TV actors Mm -hmm. and they made movies out of them. So they could, you know, I mean, that's where the fan base is. Maybe that's where you you move them to. So I I pulled up a new Variety article, or not the latest Variety article. They now say a screenplay by Lindsay Beer and Geneva Robertson. Geneva Robertson wrote Captain Marvel. Um, Hmm. So... um, yeah, I, I mean, that would be great, uh, you know, if they continue the timeline. I tell you what, my guess, here's what they're going to do, Mike. Um, because the first three movies focus on the original uh, Star Trek. The next one will be the next generation, like rebooting Picard and all that stuff. Um, oh, yeah, maybe they could they could do that. I mean, just much like a, uh, a, a successful mafiosa will be considered a made man, uh, Star Trek is like a made franchise, right? They're going to keep making Star Trek stuff until the end of time, like literally. Like I, I, it'll exist well beyond our lives, just like Star Wars and Marvel and like comic movies, right? It's just that ingrained of a franchise. You know, it's comparable to like you know Frankenstein or like you know Dracula or something like that. They'll always be making these movies, so it is kind of interesting to think about. Like, well, you don't really necessarily have to stick yourself to these Abrams like timeline movies. You, you made a couple of them. Uh, some of them were good. You know, you made some money out of them. Now, I guess point this, point your franchise gun in a different direction, and then you know in ten. 10 years yeah. you can point it in a different direction again well the great part about um star trek is they have a really like all the sciencey time travel um loopholes to reset timelines and stuff like that so mm-hmm. they can do whatever they want and uh not do uh, not really affect it too much they are literally going all in on the tv shows on paramount plus uh, paramount plus no is it paramount plus yes <laughs> uh, I've also said Paramount All Access. I'm like that's combining the other ones yeah. um so you know they're kind of going in on that um so I mean, it's, it's time to do it now. Like you said, 
if they tied it into the TV shows, wouldn't be surprised one bit because those are doing really well. But if they wanted to make a, you know, reboot the next generation or Deep Space Nine or whatever they want to do and not include the original cast, that's probably fine too. Yeah. Uh, you know, fr- from a man that hates prequels himself, uh, but also as a person that has no real connection to the Star Trek franchise, I'm sure this also probably exists already, but an origin story to kind of Starfleet would be kind of cool. And if it exists out there in a watchable form, maybe as like a one-off episode of a certain series, it would be cool to know. Because uh, I feel like when you meet Star Trek and most of its incarnations, it's always way far in the future, right? But I wonder if there's like a linchpin character, right? Somewhere back in like our time, right? Where if like, oh, if this specific scientist or this adventurer didn't do this one thing, Starfleet never would have came to fruition. That could be a fun story Uh to explore. But at the same time, there's been so much Star Trek content it's probably out, out there. there in the world i'm sure it already exists and i'm just like look at this idiot trying to make up star trek stuff it's like someone trying to pitch a simpsons episode they've done it already i honestly wouldn't be surprised if they just continued down the kelvin timeline and had new reintroduction that without having to time travel again to reset mm-hmm. everything i think time travel was fun the first time but i don't think we need to do it again um but um yeah the last movie star trek uh was it um beyond it even had idris elba in it and directed by justin lynn of a uh, fast and furious f- fame yeah. um, there was a dirt the only thing i can remember about that movie was there was a dirt bike in it yeah <laughs> that's the only thing i really recall from the movie yeah it was a lot more there was uh the the one chick with the white face paint and the black stripes across her face oh yeah isn't there like and there's like some sort of like Starfleet there's like some sort of like building at the end of it like some sort of like building in the sky or I don't know yeah, something's like falling out of the sky hatch yeah, or something yeah. who um, knows well the one before that had uh Doctor Strange himself as Khan so you know oh, they uh, yeah. it's time for some new Star Trek sign us up Mike we'll we'll jump in there we don't need to go backwards but uh there's that uh suicide the suicide squad uh first reactions are hitting the internet right now so if you want to stay clean start muting your keywords uh, August 6, 2021, this movie will be in theaters and HBO Max, and IMAX tickets are on sale right now, Mike. So um, I don't think I'll be – I really want to go to the theater for this one, but I'm not, like, dying to watch it in theaters. So, uh, like, they'll be dying in the movie because of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. I'm really excited to see James Gunn's first movie since Guardians 2 um, kind of hit um, – and, and watch it, you know. He's been, yeah, he's been off, I, I, I don't want to say he's been off radar because he's had his uh, skirmishes kind of with social media, right? But he's been kind of out of the content radar for a while, so uh, we'll see how, I mean. Yeah. I I Brightburn like was his last thing I think he <laughs> oh, was attached yeah. well, to. Oh, like, yeah, well, he like produced yeah. it, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I, I always like tell people, you know, don't get themselves too attached to uh, celebrities in Hollywood in any way, but like. Uh, I remember when I was following him on Instagram, like, he was always posting pictures of him, like, writing stuff from his, like, palatial, like, Malibu home and, like, the biggest backyard, like, I've ever seen in Southern California. So, I'm sure he's doing fine. Yeah, I think he, uh, he just got off uh, filming the first season of uh, Peacemaker as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I'm excited to to see this, see who lives, who dies, see how this uh, giant starfish uh, comes to fruition in this, Mike. And, uh, of course, King Shark, voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Love sharks. Dune, the movie, is uh, a long movie. Dune. Dune. <laughs> what a, a two-hours and 35-minute movie, Mike. Um, and they are pushing this. It'll be at, like, uh, some film festival coming up. But, you know, it's October 22nd, um, yeah, 2021, in theaters and HBO Max as well. Um, 
I think I'm gonna I want to see this in theaters, but I think I might do HBO Max first so I can see how often I need to go to the bathroom during this thing. Uh, <laughs> do it on my own time so I can pause it. Um, yeah, well, you're more invested in this than I am because you've actually uh, read the book recently that the movie is based on. But last time we talked about doing, we talked about the crazy weekend uh, that it was being released. Yeah. And I think since we talked about that, Jackass, whatever the movie yeah. is called, uh, I think it's moved weekend since. So I, uh, the weekend's not as uh, hard I, to figure out now. I uh, nope, same. It's still same weekend. I just saw a poster for it today, which was oh maybe maybe it wasn't Jackass. Oh no, I think it's the um, that connection French connection, not French connection. The um, the uh, yeah, Wes yeah. Anderson, Wes Anderson movie, movie. I think yeah. moved. Yeah, I think that's the one that moved. Okay, so I knew something had moved, but yeah. Um, um, maybe your decisions get a little bit easier now out there in theater going land. Yeah. Uh, Jackass is uh, by Paramount. They should just put it on Paramount Plus. That'd be the best way to get most people watching mm-hmm. this. Um, but I think it's like they have like a shark clip in the movie and it's Shark Week, right? So um, that's uh, I think that's where I saw that poster. But yeah, uh, Dune going to be a long movie. It's got to cover a lot of stuff. I'm never finished the original because I mean nothing against it it's just a lot of people's internal monologues uh, while they're staring intently at the camera so <laughs> uh, definitely very interesting gonna see exci- I'm excited to see how they do this uh, big cast huge huge budget excited to see it all right now for the end of the show Mike we are here a little little faster than usual because uh, we want to talk about this Loki season finale. And um, full uh, disclosure, there are spoilers. We will be talking about the season, this episode, and how this affects everything else going forward in uh, full unadulterated uh, spoilers ahead. So, yes. Uh, First things first, there's a reason why it's called the season finale. Because (laughs) it was confirmed at the end for a season two, which we've been theorizing for, what, six or more months now Mm -hmm. uh so that's that feels kind of good but director um kate heron won't be returning um i she she seems it seems like an amicable split um maybe she's working on something else we don't know but um pretty much like yeah she can she's been talking about how this episode existed in the season but like she's like i don't know anything about the future need to go talk to mr feige about that kind of thing so (laughs) Well, it seems like Feige is definitely having meetings regarding. I had a very strange uh, feeling after I finished this uh, because it felt very much like a cinematic experience from start to finish. You know, you said earlier in the show about how these are only these shows are only like six episodes long. You can uh, finish them all real quick, you know, if you're binging them. And after I finished it, I had this kind of feeling of like, oh, we could be seeing the next season in like a year, right? Mm-hmm. Because even if you look at these premium shows that Disney Plus has been making, like The Mandalorian, you know, a TV production schedule is about, you know, a year long until we get more of this. So I was like, oh, wow, we might not have to wait three or four years, you know, for the next installment of this character on the screen. So that was kind of cool. Then I started to think about like, oh, okay, because we'll have these other multiversal things happening. So I wonder if Loki season two is possibly going to maybe wrap all of this up right you know maybe a doctor strange will like you know do a lot of cleaning up but then you know loki will come through and kind of like uh, you know cross the t's and dots the i's in season two i don't really know exactly but it was kind of cool to think like oh yeah i'm not gonna have to wait a million years hopefully for this next season unless they stranger things us and it's like three years away you know the well all the rumors and reports we did were based on that they already had a pre-production company made you know last Mm -hmm. year so i think they're probably a lot farther along than we anticipate um for this 
Um, so I'm I'm excited to do that. I um also before I forget, I forgot about this because the episode was so um such an experience that the intro mm-hmm. had lines from all the Marvel movies at the beginning of it. Oh yeah, read out loud, I, uh... and I was like, is this part of the? Is this going to be the new Marvel intro, or was it just for this episode? And I'm pretty sure it's just for this episode here. Yeah, I think it's just kind of go- going to show you of since this is all about time and the time stream. These are the things that have existed in the Prime timeline. But also, I don't know if this is just a thing or if I'm think- overthinking it too much. But at the very beginning, there is a space shuttle that whizzes across the screen very quickly. And I w- kind of went frame by frame after I finished the episode. There's no identifying marks on it. And it's kind of even hard to tell if it's like an Earth-based mm-hmm. space shuttle, if it's shield, sword-connected, or you know if it could be totally alien. But it's really the only, I think, object that you see there might have been like a satellite thrown in there yeah there was but, a satellite you know, too but yeah i know what you're talking about the- but it's like it's not like you see a whole lot of objects right it's mainly about like kind of flowing through space and time and hearing things so i thought it was kind of oh i was like oh maybe there's like a fantastic and four logo on the side of it or the, something like that but. well the end of the episode shows the time string visibly splitting and fracturing and, mm-hmm. and branching in that kind of nebulous space where that ship was so yeah it it could be you know, if the Fantastic Four were in the 60s for their movie and then ended up in popping out of a, uh, a journey in, in modern time with their powers, that definitely would make sense for them to be floating through yeah, this Who either. knows? Or maybe they're just a family of scientists on their way up to the sword base or something like yeah. that. And then the time stream fractured and some sort of cosmic yeah. rays hit them on the way up there. The, the, the thing is, the great thing about this multiverse, right? I guess it's a double-edged sword. However, you, you know, you want to look at it. You can literally do anything now, right? And that goes un- back to or why. Or undo anything. Yes, exactly. Which leads to the meeting that Kevin Feige has to kind of get all so, this stuff buttoned down. Because if anything's possible, you know, this things could go things could go bad creatively. This episode uh, again confirmed that the timelines are now splitting right against what kind of what mm. the the ancient one was threatening against in the end of or in the middle of Infinity or Endgame, right when uh, the Hulk mm-hmm. went back to talk to her. So we we get to see that actually happening. The um, the sacred timeline is no more. So they're splitting. So what what I would think with that is, you know, there's an opportunity to go back and, and visit each one of those. And we could, you know, say, oh, this happened here. This happened here if they needed to. Or like a lot of the, I believe, again, the what if episodes are going to kind of play out of this a little bit. Um, uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. There's a lot of questions uh, we, yeah. we have for this. Yeah, because there's different things that you could do, right? Are these time streams going to be throwing elements into our MCU? Like, you know, let's take just vampires, for example, because vampires have kind of already popped up once in this TV show, just offhandedly. Right. And we know blades coming. So when we're watching our normal MCU kind of prime timeline movies moving forward, are vampires going to be something that is thrust into our world? Right. You know, like I'm not saying that they'll necessarily come out of a portal, like in the middle of space, but you know, is that going to, happen or is just the whole function of like space time just kind of warping and fluxing going to just generate them out of nowhere right and you could uh, you could expand the same kind of a theory to mutants as well right you know yeah. have mutants always been here are they coming over from uh, possibly as, a different timeline as we go back to one timeline what will get merged over and what will get pruned if you will um, mm-hmm. at, at the same time um, and yeah I, I think this is great I, I will say at the start of this this is not my favorite episode of the season. Um, I think this what this did 
was set up the next season uh, and in the future of the MCU very, very well. Very exciting possibilities, but you cannot watch this season by itself and have a very solid start and end point, right? Yeah, because that's kind of what we were talking about last week, right? You know, we, we I think we both agreed we didn't care whether Kang was or wasn't in this episode, right? We were kind of preparing ourselves for either direction it could go. But we kind of both agreed, like, this show is called Loki. It should be about Loki, ultimately, at the end. Now, we were keyed into, like, all of these, like, little production details a little bit more than the average person. But if you're just kind of like a, like a, just a normal, average, you know, MCU fan kind of watching the stuff that's on Disney+, Plus, you have kind of been told, um that these are just kind of one-off shows, right? You have no intention of expecting a second season of Loki, right? You think that these are just kind of one-and-done, you know, experiences. So I I feel like maybe my expectations could have been shifted a little bit if I just knew for certain that this Mm -hmm. was going to be an ongoing story. But yeah, I I agree. They don't really... They don't really like, you know, tie anything up nicely at the end, yeah. right? I'm very, I'm very intrigued. Uh, it, you know, it, I, I, I suppose we should get into like the, you know, the biggest component of this uh, this episode, and that'll explain a lot. Yeah. So um, we get the character He Who Remains introduced to mm-hmm. us, being the man in the castle who is um, controlling all of these time streams. Now, I will tell you. There is a reason he is not given a name in this. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. The character He Who Remains is actually in the comic books. Uh, he actually created the TVA and the timekeeper or the timekeepers and stuff like the TVA in the comic books. Um, but he is not this um, the actor. Um, I forget his name. Can you remind me of his name offhand? Uh, Jonathan. Majors Jonathan Majors. King? Well, mm-hmm. he, he's not Kang. That's the important part here. Uh, Kang's real name isn't even Kang. His name is Nathaniel Richards. Um, who was a scientist from the 31st century who discovered multiverses and yep. pretty much just like Rick and Morty, if you will, um, all the uh, scientists at that time discovered each other, worked together, and then some war broke out for who was going to be the ruler of them all, right? Like you're going to have evil variants of yourself. Uh-huh. Um, this one who won, he who remains says he's been called different things, right? Like a king, a ruler, a conqueror. Uh, we know the villain version of Nathaniel Richards Kang as a conqueror who travels through time. Um, but his, there's one Kang. Uh, Nathaniel Richards is also known as uh, Immortus, Iron Lad, Ramatut. He goes by different names depending where he comes from. And I think, um, yes, he will, he has been, he will be playing Kang, the conqueror version of him in Ant-Man Quantumania. But I think we will, my theory is uh, Jonathan Majors will be, in a lot of movies playing a lot of different versions of himself. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Jonathan majors, uh, or, uh, himself calling, calling himself Kang is kind of just like Sylvie calling herself Sylvie. Like really technically she's a Loki, but you know, she renames herself. She gives herself a new title, but I'm not going to be mad at anybody out there. If anybody just calls him Kang, just like how we called baby Yoda, baby Yoda forever, even though that he wasn't a baby Yoda. It's just the easiest way to explain who the hell you're talking about on screen. But yeah, he does infamously like not give his name in this episode. Because we're going to see variants. I I mean, my theory is we're going to see variants of him. There's a there will be a Kang one and a Mortis one, mm. and so on and so forth. And we'll that's how we'll tell the difference later. Yeah. 
I have to say, though, I was very, very excited at the beginning of this yeah. episode, right? Because it, it's I, I just really started to get the feeling that, like, oh, we are going to get a reveal, right? There's no way that they bring up all of this anticipation to just, like, show us, like, a note of just, like, IOU or, like, oh, be out of the office, be back later, right? They were slowly opening these doors. We were about to see somebody. And then when I see Jonathan Majors, I just go, oh, shit, yeah. they did put Kang in this episode. That's what I said out loud. Then my wife is just like, what are you talking about? Who is that? And I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll tell you about it later because all of this backstory that I could give you right now is not important because I don't think that they're going to give us all of this anyway. Yeah. So it was interesting to see that it was him, but you know, like you just eloquently said, Chris is technically not Kang, but yeah. it's very much the actor who the, will eventually play him. Yeah. Um, he, he, Jonathan Mage will play Kang. He'll, he'll probably play other versions in the books. There is a council of Kangs. Who, um, you know, uh, go around, they went around eliminating other kings and they turned on each other to be like the prime version of this. Um, Nathaniel Richards, uh, who is actually a descendant of Reed Richards, by the way, in his time. Yeah. But also in the, the comic books, like they kind of lean into it and then sometimes don't lean into yeah. it. It just really depends on who wants to write a story with this character. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the MCU doesn't want to connect right. this to uh, a but, Richards in any way. But it is fun. Um, I mean, it is fun. Like that could be a one of the variants could be tied to that and that could be another little Easter egg along the way. Yeah, they love, that could be. They love yeah, Easter eggs. This could be an ultimate, like, you know, way to bring in the Fantastic Four as well. We all know Feige. He's yeah. like, I'm not talking about mutants. I'm talking about Fantastic Four. That's yeah. what I'm excited about right now. So, you know, he could be leaning in that direction as well for starting to I, see Kang. But there's those, there's this website that I use uh, to pull up screenshots for these Disney Plus and other streaming shows where uh, about a day after the episode airs, I'm sure there's a bot that just runs through through, uh, all of the video files and you know creates all of these screenshots of the episode so if you want to go in and look at something in a little bit more detail you know you don't have to pull the episode up and go frame by frame and it's usually pages and pages of screenshots and you kind of end up getting like like this lookbook feel of the episode and as I go back and just visually page through this episode I start to realize this whole thing yes. really is just a whole, the entire episode is really just a conversation and the conversation was really engaging right because it was answering so many questions and also to be a huge like MCU fan and somebody that wants to know where the universe is going like I I was hanging on every word that he was saying like I was like I need to know all of this I want to know all of this this is all very very cool so I, I love seeing like the backstory of just him being the scientist in the 31st century and all the stuff that he's gone through uh, his performance was very engaging uh, I saw some people thought it was a little detached from maybe what it would be but I feel like a character in this situation you just have no idea well, how any anyone would react i felt it almost kind of made sense right like he is so detached yet so involved with reality that he would just kind of be weird and quirky so i kind of i overall right. bought the performance well if you're if your mindset is jonathan majors is only playing king the conquer version then yes this is not that person but if he's a yeah. variant of of that right like the the one who won yeah. he it, it gave me vibes of um do you remember um the architect uh from the matrix the guy in the room full oh. of tvs yeah you you mix yeah. that with the cheshire cat from alice in wonderland <laughs> 
because he's like <laughs> yeah. all over the place. He's eccentric. He's you know sad. He's scared. But like he's always you can't touch him. He's always ethereal. Yeah. Well, also you have to create this character that the audience will believe does not care if he gets stabbed in the chest because yeah. that's what happens. Like you have to believe that like he is so uh, above all of existence and reincarnation and all of that. Like he knows that his death really isn't the end of his existence because he's just he's he's so into it he's like so beyond just mortal life so that really bought it to where i was like oh yeah i totally believe that he'll just sit in this chair and get stabbed if if and he'll go there he, uh that yeah go well, ahead. Is it, he pulled the same exact thing the ancient one did in dr strange uh he's like i've seen all of time up to this moment mm-hmm. uh that's what the ancient one says is like I've seen through all of time up to this moment where I die kind of thing. And then he's like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I can't predict the future anymore for like, what, five, six, seven seconds uh, right before he gets stabbed. And that's when, you know, literally the, the timelines fracture and blossom. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just a beautiful moment, really, yeah. uh, at, at the and, end of and, that. Yeah. And since this character va- basically is the uh, a base for Kang eventually at some point in time. Uh, you, if you're familiar with the character, he's a very technologically based character. You know, he does have intelligence, but not really superpowers necessarily. So knowing that he created the TVA does make a lot of sense because, oh, that's why a lot of their technology is like actual tech. Like the Tempad is not something magical. It's actually a piece of technology with somebody who has this broad understanding of everything. So it, it does make sense that he would have created the TVA and that's where and, he's drawing all this power from. And apparently uh, we've also found out after the show, Jonathan Majors voiced the um, timekeepers, the robot dudes. He did all their voices, uh, okay. which would make sense because he was technically the one creating them. For the TV, yeah, the, uh, the the dogma, which I think he described it. Uh, yeah. I love the little moment that he plays when he he says he they reach this kind of point of unknowing, right? Because he's this all this being that knows all of time, and then there's this moment when he's behind the desk where he just kind of like stops and it says like, "Oh, do you feel that?" I, I don't know what's going to happen next, yeah. which is something that, he, you know, he has not felt in, I assume, Eon. So I felt that moment was really, really special. But, um, yeah, if you really bring it down to what the show was really supposed to be about, which was Loki and Sylvie, you know, they finally have their emotional connection of kissing. Yeah. And I know some people are get kind of weirded out about it because it's technically a Loki. I just feel like they've done such a good job differentiating these characters mm-hmm. and telling about how they're just totally from different dimensions. You know, that this this one's a different, totally looks different. I, I, I guess I'd be a little bit more weirded out if, like, Tom Hiddleston literally... Or if Tom Hiddleston literally was kissing Tom Hiddleston. Actually, there's parts of the internet with that. I would absolutely love that even more. Uh, so it didn't really weird me out too much. And right. then also, if you've been around, like, comic books long enough, it's, shit gets weird all of the time. Yeah. So I feel like this isn't the weirdest it, thing you could possibly come across. And, and literally, since they didn't give her the name Loki, it felt like a different person, right? Like, like yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're unique. They're they're different. It's not the same person. They had different um, upbringings, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, the 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 show does end. You know, again with he who remains being killed uh, after the mm-hmm. the pop up scare by Miss Minutes. By the way, early on in this, <laughs> this meteor, um, and then um, Loki and Sylvie uh, don't agree on what should be what should happen, and mm-hmm. Sylvie sends Loki to a different timeline on a, uh, mm-hmm. I don't maybe not on purpose. She probably doesn't realize that Tim pads only work in like, like you can't maybe pick the timeline since there only used to be one timeline. And mm. we get to see him uh, actually pretty sadly talk to 
um, Mobius and is like, he's like, who are you? What's your name? And then the statue of a proper Kang the Conqueror mm-hmm. is in this TVA of this timeline, uh, which I think opens up the door to, um, I, I don't think, I don't think the Nathaniel Richards Kang, whoever is running all the timelines, but like there will be some where he is the, the progenitor of, of time in the TVA rather than yeah, the it, created androids. Yeah, it's going to be hard to keep track of uh, just because I feel like my brain's just full of lots of things, you know, just how to breathe, you know, how to cook food. There's just other things that my body has to be able to maintain and just figuring out these uh, timelines moving forward. I, you know, I just hope they do a good job making it pretty clear because, okay, so we have Loki in another version of the TVA. This version of the TVA seems to know everything that is going on, but just does not is not aware of this version of Loki that's helping them out. So theoretically, we saw that screenshot of of the uh, the timeline fracturing. There seems to be limitless versions of it, right? So is there a particular reason he's on this one? Mm. How hard is it for him to get back to the TVA he's familiar with? Because it seems like there's now limitless versions of the TVA that he could fall into. So he really needs to pinpoint the one that he needs to find. So, yeah. And also I'm curious, where does season two go? Like really like, I feel like, is it going to pick up right where it left off? And are the, are there's going to be ramifications from the movies that affects Loki's uh, uh-huh. adventure. I'm not sure. And is is season two the last season? Right. right? Is this just something that couldn't quite be told in six episodes, and maybe it's twelve? You that know, should, shadows. That it? was not true. So that was the, a rumor that they filled on twelve episodes, and the director's like, "No, we wrote six. We have not even written the next six yet." So I think that that's a big thing that yeah. we like. There's a lot of like even the actors don't know at this point, right? Like, yeah. I mean, should we even? theoretically start to think that there could be a season three in the pipeline, Uh right? Like, is there an ultimate goal where like either the TVA just disappears or things just, you know, correct? Like I'm trying to think of what the goal is, right? Because, you know, if you think about what he who remains was talking about, right? He made a very binary choice for them. Like we either need to keep the TVA going to keep this prime timeline or just things get crazy. And there's all these different worlds that exist. And it seems like all of these worlds can coexist as long as you don't get a thorn in the side of this ju- of this uh, scientist character that can connect all of them together. So maybe there's this crazy adventure where they have to go find all instances of this person and like eliminate them. Maybe they just, instead of branching, instead of pruning different timelines, maybe you just prune this specific person out of it and then maybe it's fine. But then the rule of large numbers di- dictates at some point in time, there will be another scientist yeah. that figures this out and then things will go bad. So it does make me wonder what the ultimate goal right do we want the tva to exist is there going to be some sort of crazy wizard magic is there like some spell in dr strange's library that if they do all of these different MacGuffins, will fix the timeline permanently and there won't need to be a tva Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's a comic book explanation that'll fix this forever so i am i am very curious ultimately how does this end it feels like uh, again i i i i could be very wrong but like you know in in terms of like archetypes and, and stories that like there's the duality of the TVA it eliminates uh, right free will kind of thing but like where they mm-hmm. they're, they're, quote they're killing these people with uh, Eliath, um to to prevent you know chaos from variants taking over other you know attacking other timelines but you know at the same time like it, there's a duality of, like we need it for order but like 
what are you doing with the people kind of thing. So I think that's going to probably get solved in season two. And I, I do hope there's more. I, Tom Hiddleston does a great job as Loki, right? He's been doing a great job for 11 years now, um, 10, 11 years. And, you know, there's a reason they've kept him around, uh, you know, so long. And, and there's just a lot of... I think the biggest thing is that I had to go look this up and had to get confirmation from the people involved that like no one is going back in time and changing the history of, of that. Whenever they go back, they create a branch timeline. So the original one MCU timeline that we know and love still exists, right? Um, no one's going to go back and change it, but if they do go back and change something, it creates a branch that goes somewhere else. So uh, that's where I think you talk about having mind power to keep all this straight and what's going on is going to be very hard because it's like, Oh, if you change one thing. The main timeline's not changed. It's created a branched one. So I think yeah. hopefully we, you know, Spider-Man may see some fallout from this. Doctor Strange will definitely see the fallout from this. And Loki is rumored to be in Doctor Strange now that the show is over. They've like, yeah, he's probably going to be the be in that movie. So uh, I'm, I don't know where it's going, but it seems like again, Nathaniel Richards, Kang, Amortis, Ramta, whatever you want to call him, whatever he will be, is our big bad for phase four mike i think this yeah. this was the con this was the the kick uh that we needed to, to kick that off because um wandavision kind of touched on alternate realities right nexus beans uh falcon on the shoulder did not touch on this at all uh <laughs> yep. they barely i mean what they're dealing on is like minute compared to multiversal uh mm-hmm. theory and and practice so um i i think this uh is the catalyst for the next phase of, of films mike so. Yeah, and and it does make me wonder what's going to be happening in Ant Man, right? Because uh, if you start thinking about all this multiversal stuff, right, you do have like wizards and magical people that could uh, weigh in their opinion of what they could do, but also you're probably going to want scientific minds to weigh in, and I, I feel like you're going to get a lot of that with Pym over in the next Ant Man movie, who could lay on this, and it does make you wonder, like, okay, well, how does the quantum realm tie into all this? If this is a different realm, I don't know. You, there's you got lots of explaining to do, Kevin Feige but I'm looking forward to all of it. This looks like we got a really fun ride, but unfortunately, like you did just bring up, our next two Marvel movies are probably not going to deal with this at all, right? You know, this is going to be kind of similar to watching, like, Ant-Man right after you watch, what was it, Age of Ultron, I think, is when the first Ant-Man movie dropped, right? Uh, um, it, was, it was right after Age of Ultron, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's just like you have this feeling of really wanting to press forward, really want to deal with this big major theme that you have in your MCU, and now you got to go watch this little movie that has nothing to do with it. So, you know, I, I'm sure uh, Shang-Chi and the Eternals will have lots of fun stuff that we'll get to watch and do, but I'll just still be sitting and they're like, okay, show me that after credit scene where maybe I get a little bit more uh, multiversal well, stuff. I don't think everything. I, again, I was talking about this earlier. Today. I don't think everything needs to be multiversal, right? And when when Thanos was revealed at the end of Avengers, not everything, every movie was Infinity Stone related, and I think that was good to have a nice mix, right? If everything was related. I think that it could kind of weigh weigh down on on the oh, story as a whole. I agree. Uh, I you yeah. know not every day needs to be summer vacation. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I looked forward to summer vacation. Right. Yeah. You know. So um, the weekends. Uh, the these next movies will just be like the weekends, and then the you yeah. know Spider Man Homecoming will, Homecoming will feel a little bit more like an extended holiday. No right? way home. Because uh, well, oh no way home. What did I call homecoming? it? Homecoming. Like the first movie. Homecoming. Not even no, way back, whatever it's called. I don't know. You're time uh, traveling, but my friend. Yeah. Uh, one of the other, my brain is mush. <laughs> well, one of the other things is yeah, Kang is a creator. His his home is uh, the villainous Kang is Chronopolis, which we think you know people may have seen in 
the second Ant-Man movie, uh, which is why we think Quantumania will deal with Chronopolis in the quantum realm. Um, like this evil version has his own citadel there kind of thing. So that could be how we get it. I, I mean, I think Jonathan Majors was a great actor in this role, and I really want to see him play good, bad, evil. Imagine a whole council, a whole room full of Jonathan Majors of different times yeah. and timelines, Mike. That would be fantastic to see. Yeah. It is kind of funny to see Marvel a little late to the party on this, right? Because, like you mentioned, Rick and Morty has already done this in very satirical ways. But even also, CW's The Flash had a council of wells at one point in time. So they're kind of of showing up to this, like, maybe like Apple, right? Where all of these uh, adventures have already existed, and now they're going to kind of perfect it. Well, (laughs) the, the, the funny part is that Marvel created the Council of Reeds and Kangs and Dooms years decades before any of these and all oh. those borrowed from their comic book yeah. versions. So. you know i totally believe that but now the movie realm yeah. is showing well, up yeah to it it's, it's all come full circle like like we made it you stole it now we're we're gonna show you how it's really done kind of thing and, and it's so funny right that now the flash the next flash movie is going to be dealing with this a little bit too so i mean like i strap in if you are just a helpless boomer that just can like not follow any of this. Like, oh, I remember when movies were shot on film, and a special effect was the you Vaseline on the bottom of the lens. It's just like, oh, hold on tight, Grandma. Things are gonna get really confusing really fast. You're about to see characters that you thought were dead brought back to life with a uh, different technology. Yeah, it's, and well, it's and, wild man. And if people want uh, a primer to King again, Earth's Might, Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes had a very long-term King. Um, crossover Mm -hmm. i believe at the end of season one start of season two kind of thing like he was in there for several episodes uh, playing the long-term game so i think i think that i think really the the maybe the best way to center and ground everything uh is just look at it from the point of view from the mcu characters right you know like imagine like a clint barton like hawkeye Hawkeye doesn't give a shit about multiverses, but if like some dude pops up calling himself Kang and threatens his family, he's going to shoot an arrow at this person and try to kill them. And then ultimately when this stuff is solved by bigger and badder Avengers, he'll breathe a sigh of relief that things are are back to normal. Well, and and I think, you know, Marvel's playing a long-term game here, right? We have the potential of the young Avengers being created, right? From everybody. Mm -hmm. And this, we have the potential of the dark Avengers or Thunderbolts being created by, Mm -hmm. Um, the Contessa Valentina. I mean, and then there's you know, multiple timelines. Um, there's also the Celestials and the Eternals uh, coming into play. Like they are playing some long-term stuff here. You know, we we may not even scratch the surface, but like for now, um, if Jonathan Majors plays the villain for this this next phase, I'm I'm sold, Dan. Like he yeah. he did a great job pre- presenting himself, selling it in, in a mostly a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, where, where they just tell you everything like an ex- expositional episode mm-hmm. i hate that the exposition was the final episode of the season <laughs> but he did a great job i think it's you know it's not the worst episode but he did a, such a great job of that like I, I feel like yeah that's fine i'm, I'm okay with this I feel like I was robbed of a post-credit scene, right? Yeah. I get it that the post-credit scene was the reveal that we're getting a second season, but like, make it come a video on, man. clip, not just a. Yeah, I mean, talk about this huge just dump of craziness that you dropped on us. Like, at least maybe give us a little bit of Spider-Man or something, you know? Like, give us a clip of something weird that's happening. Like, maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's just Peter Parker, you know, just sitting on a park bench, and then all of a sudden, like, some weird shit just pops out of the sky. And it's just like, whoa, this is crazy. The dimensions are folding in on each other. I, I don't know, but I, yeah, I, I yeah. felt like I was deserved a little bit more. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, it's, it's, 
it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, we got some really cool stuff, but at the cost of wrapping up a season very cleanly and and using that post-credit scene to set up uh, uh, more of the future. And also, again, just forget, Sylvie's now at the end of time, right? She is technically in the place of he who remains. So what will she do with that power or that position? Mm-hmm. Um, and I... A lot of questions. Mobius is live. Ravona went off to figure out who really created the TVA. There's a lot of people who were, you know, they kind of shuffled the board around and put them in places for the next season. So um, hopefully we see them beforehand. But if we got to wait, that's fine with me. We'll do that. All right, Mike. Well, that is the episode. Anything else you want to add to Loki? We good? You ready to jump into this? Yeah, I'm good. I'm ready for what if to happen. All right. What if August, I believe, 11th? Yeah, uh, like a Wednesday. Um, around the corner so mike people know what you're up to what you're doing where can they find you at well they can find me at mike royer design on instagram twitter and tiktok and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com chris if people want to catch up with you where can they find you uh, find me on twitter valdan v-a-l-d-a-n or instagram valdan87 um or you can come listen to our show every week if people want to know more about superhero slate our show we've got reviews probably coming up i think the Suicide Squad will be our next review uh, in a couple weeks. Where can people find us at? Oh, they can find us very easily at SuperheroSlate.com. That's the best place to find the avenues we host our show and to get our awesome show notes. So if you want to see all of those uh, Emmy nominations related to the stuff that we talk about on the show, we got the list up there. If you want to see that Free Guy and uh, Korg Deadpool reaction video, we got that up there in the show notes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you love to listen to fine podcasts. And uh, if you want to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or Instagram. That would be much appreciated. And you can get merch at SuperheroSlate.com slash store. We love hearing from you. Please reach out with your opinions on the season finale, not series finale, not limited series finale, the season finale of Loki. What did you think of Jonathan Majors, the possibility of Kang showing up? Uh, were you a little let down by the end, end of the episode? But overall like the season that's a possibility to mm-hmm. reach out and let us know and if you want to be a super fan of the show it's a very very easy thing to do all you have to do is share the show with a friend share the show with a buddy make sure you're getting vaccinated gotta watch out for that delta variant because uh we all want to be safe back in the movie theaters here soon and uh that's how you can be a super fan and we'll be here next week folks that's right we'll see you guys next week bye Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. I feel like the insurance running a business like that would be above average.